Episode 1 Departure April 30th, 1845 Journal of Jonathan Carter I'm so excited! This will be my first voyage. My mother always told me stories of my father's voyages. He was a well-respected captain in his time. She was a bit leery at first of me following in his stead, she having lost him in just such a fashion, you see. But she finally relented. She says she saw in me what she'd always seen in my father. The pull for the ocean. The longing to sail. It was as though we were both born with the crust of salt in our hair and the ocean breeze in our lungs, as though we needed it to live. She's right, however. Just being on this ship, not even gone a mile out of port, but it feels like my life has been empty till now. The salt spray in my face, though cold, warms my soul. The ocean breeze filling my lungs, as though these were the first breaths I've taken in years. This is where I'm meant to be. This couldn't be a better voyage. You see, our ship, the SS Eldridge and crew, on an expedition, were sailing the ocean in search for new lands and exotic peoples. <laughs> I couldn't be more excited. When Mother saw my eyes before we left port, she bemoaned that she would lose another of her men to the deep, and that she would always be second fiddle. I assured her that I would be seeing her again in six months at the completion of our voyage, and perhaps by then I'd have gotten my feel of sailing. Though, the look in her eyes tells me that she knows, as well as I, that this is only the beginning. Oh, it looks like I have to go. The first mate will be instructing the crew as to our duties. I'll write some more soon. Sincerely, Johnny Carter. April 30th, 1845. Peach Journal. When we first set out from the wharf, I had a bit of an upset belly. Now I know this wasn't any seasickness, I've sailed a good lot of my days. Now some will say that I'm superstitious, but I say that when the spirits want to tell you something, they do so. Now you might ask, how would I know this feeling was from the spirits? I tell you that all meaningful impressions happen in your gut which is where I felt my impression. Now as a side note, the gut is also where food sticks and moves around through yourself. I know myself to make a good, clean meal, and thus can make good, cheery gents of the crew. If I was not so inclined, I say a bad cook can give all the wrong spirits to his crew, and I might peradventure say he could spell doom for his whole voyage. Now back to my gut feelings. I can't knock the feeling that the spirit, or perhaps my last meal, is talking to my gut, trying to tell me something. April 30th, 1845. Orson Powell, first mate. Right, well... I'm beginning a new voyage today. After having sailed under the direction of Captain Peterson for nearly 20 years, I must say I am both saddened and joyful at his retirement. Saddened because Captain Peterson may just be the finest captain to lead any crew, 
and it's unfortunate that our time has come to an end. Nevertheless, joyful because the old fool, who has become a father figure of sorts, can finally rest and enjoy a peaceful retirement without the worries of the sea. However, just because my time as his first mate has come to an end does not mean my time on the waves has ended. I still find nothing more freeing than the open ocean, the smell of the sea, the sound of the waves on the side of a ship, and the ocean breeze blowing through your hair. Paradoxically, a storm can be quite a beautiful thing, though maybe not until it's over. Nothing gives me more peace than the sea. Even though I have made sailing my career, being on the ocean drops all my concerns. It's as if all problems fade. I have been able to find work on an exploratory boat as the first mate. The SS Eldritch is led by a Captain Knott. He's quite an odd fellow. I'm used to captains being more friendly with the crew. It's not that he's rude per se, just closed off somewhat. His conversations with others are mainly giving orders and he has brief interactions with me. Seems a little odd for a captain. I do aim to be open-minded. Perhaps he just has a different way of running things. Our departure was today, so naturally I'm still trying to get used to the crew. I think, at the moment at least, our cabin boy, Jonathan Carter, <laughs> is my favorite. It's his first voyage, and I can tell he has a great love for the sea. In all honesty, he reminds me of myself at a younger age. I remember the first journey I took. How I wish I could go back to that feeling. Well, I had to be off. Many duties to attend to. May 9th, 1845. It's been over a week since I've last written. Things are quite busy on the ship. Being the newest aboard, I've been assigned as the ship's cabin boy. It's not so bad, really. It gives me plenty of chance to talk with my fellow crewmen. They're all quite seasoned sailors. Our cook, Pete, he says he's lost count of how many times he's sailed. And his food shows it. He rivals even my mother with his skill in the kitchen. Oh, and I'd almost forgotten. The reason I'm writing today is that I've seen a whale. It was the first I've ever witnessed. The other crewmen laughed at my excitement, but it was truly an awesome sight. Its large body crested out of the water just off our starboard bow. Our priest, Arthur, seemed surprised as well, though he hid it better than I. He's nearly as green as me. He says this will be his first voyage as a formal chaplain. An odd fellow, that one. The others in the crew have noticed it as well. He's a superstitious fellow, more so than even the cook, always off muttering things about eternity and the divine. I've never been that religious sort myself, never thought much about it, though to each their own, I suppose. I've never been the sort to judge a man for his beliefs. Our scholar, James, on the other hand, he and Arthur are nearly constantly at each other's throats. It seems they have a wildly different idea about life. I attempt to remark somewhat on the debate, but I'm afraid it all just goes over my head. Anyways, I must be off. Our navigator says we're close to a large body of land, heretofore unexplored, which means we're only a few days from our first stop. Sincerely, Johnny Carter. May 10th, 1845. 
Staying in the galley, I can only catch wind of what's happened by keeping my ears open when the crew comes down and talks amongst themselves. Sailing's a slow business in the early days, and I ill chatters most what I hear when they come down. But seeing as I developed a keen ear, I can tell most men's disposition by the first few weeks. Today particularly, I can tell the green boy is most high-spirited as results of him seeing a whale or other some sort of leviathan. Poor child, so naive. But most of them are at first. I do think that the first mate is a sort of serious man, but can warm up and perhaps be jovial when the time presents. From what I can glean from the captain, I says he's more serious than the first mate even. He seems to himself mostly, and it almost pains him to talk to the crew. Considering how much he says to him, captains are sometimes strict, but usually take some time to interact to build a relationship with his crew. Chatter I hear in the mess is usually quite loud. But I hear him quiet up when they talk about the captain. Some says he's a lunatic. Others say they're uneasy thinking of him. I say the spirits are working on us all. I say we has a most excellent crew. As I can see, the good spirits are alive in them, though perhaps not when the preacher and scholar are cussing each other. Good smooth sailing and good smooth meals see a good smooth crew. May 14th, 1845. We've been at sail about two weeks now. Already something feels off. I consider myself one of a sound mind. I'm not superstitious to the point of foolishness like some on our crew. The preacher aboard, by the name of Arthur Kingsbury, seems to think every breath taken is a divine gift, and every stub toe or splinter is a curse from the devil. Now, people can believe what they want, but when one is locked on a ship with another who constantly puts forth such thoughts, disagreements arise, specifically from those with an opposing view, such as our research scholar, James Charlson, who sees God as nothing less than vain imaginations and can be quite vocal about that, particularly to the preacher. I've had to intervene on a few shouting matches already, which does not bode well this early in our voyage. The crew has been excited these past few days because our cartographer remarked his expectation of land recently. Indeed, he was correct, for today we made sure. I can quite agree on the excitement. After all, discovery is the reason we are out here. And though I love the sea, there is comfort upon solid ground. As mentioned previously, I am not of the superstitious sort. Regardless, something about this island gives me the oddest feeling. We reach the landmass late into the night. At first light, I will design exploration crews, and true discovery may begin. I feel I am not alone when I say my sleep tonight will be minimal, due to both excitement and nervous foreboding.